and writing arrow at race pace takes time. So yes, it's easier and more convenient to, to start seated and see what it's like. Like get comfortable on your bike, ride seated, do the work, and slowly begin to ease into your arrow position. So back to what I was just talking about with that 10 minute interval, maybe do four minutes seated, one minute in arrow position, and then repeat. And so now you've got two minutes in arrow position in that set. And then next time, just increase it slowly. It's really, it's really going to tax your core and your lower back. So it's important to strengthen your core. It's important to get that, not that dumping into your belly, you know, but feeling the ability for you, for you to hold yourself up with your core strength. So definitely core work is, is really important here. It takes time. It takes an adjustment period. So really be patient with it. You, you want to get to a point where you can ride arrow for your entire whatever race you're doing. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess, your host. And you know what? I love saying that. I love this community. I love this medium of connection, and I love how deep you guys are willing to go with us. I'm here today with Coach BJ, and I think he would agree when I say, keep going deep, you guys. Go deep by going in, and you will see that everything you need, all the answers, all the wisdom, and limitlessness is already inside. Coach, what do you think about that? Yeah, (laughs) 100% all in. When do you think you like really realize that because you say that a lot to your athletes but like do you remember a time in your life when you were like oh my god this does make sense like everything I need is inside I can't pinpoint one particular moment I want to say it probably is part of my evolution in the yoga teacher training and meditation uh, practice that I that just rose to the surface a little bit that I gotta stop looking outside like I'm already the pure person I want to be so just be yeah that's awesome. Yeah. And I think it's like through meditation, like when you get answers and it's not like you go in, I mean, a lot of people do this, but I don't go into meditation with questions, right? Cause, or no, problems. Don't bring because, your shit with you. <laughs> right. Like just <laughs> go into meditation to be in concert with that limitlessness that is who you truly are. And when we do that, we do get answers. We do get solutions like throughout our day, things will, you'll just get those knowings. That's what I call them. Like these knowings or downloads. And that to me is when I realize that like everything is already inside because I'm going in every day. I'm creating that deeper relationship with that part of me and she's speaking to me and she's guiding me and she's so on point. All right. So we're coming to you guys today with our second episode in what we're now calling the preseason smackdown. And in this installment, we're going to focus on the bike. So if you didn't hear the first episode on the swim for both runners and triathletes, because you know how much we love swimming for runners, then go back and have a listen. It's episode 201. I also want to give some love, you guys. Love to our Patreon community. The support that the members in our Patreon community are providing this podcast is everything. We hope you guys are enjoying the YTP Mini, which is our mini pod, 10 to 20 minute conversations. It's exclusive for Patreon members. And we have amazing peeps on the show like me and Beach. No, I'm only <laughs> kidding. Um, Heather Jackson, Luke Tybersky, who is offering all Patreon members a massive deal on his mental training program, which I'm also going through right now and I'm totally loving it. I've used some of his techniques already. I mean, he's giving you guys a crazy discount, so go and listen to that one. We've got our current favorite power couple, Paula Finley and Eric Lagerstrom on there. We've got Katra Corbett, a.k.a. Dirt Diva, and more. I don't even know how many episodes because we don't label them, but, I mean, we do them every week. We drop them on Thursdays, and they're just super fun. They're to the point, and they're perfect for, like, that quick ride in the car, walking the dog, or a short workout If you're not a Patreon member and you feel like it's placed on your heart or you're getting FOMO that you're not getting the YTP mini, then get over there. We invite you to do that, to to live from your heart, to listen to your heart. You know, there's no lack in this universe, you guys. So $5 a month, $10 a month, $20 a month. We really would appreciate your support. It's patreon.com forward slash yogi triathlete. And you can become a patron today and have access to all the goodies. There's more than just the YTP mini there. Uh, Right now, we're a 100% listener-supported podcast. 
but I really want to keep it that way. You know, I've been receiving emails from companies that are reaching out to be sponsors on the podcast and I just keep saying no because I really want to see how we can connect with our community to really just keep this podcast ours and I mean that as in yours mine like ours you guys were in this together so we'll see you know that's the intention but we stay flexible so anything else before we get started Beach? Well let's check in with your training because this is pretty epic week that you just finished here yeah and I know this is going to launch later down the road but you just finished we're the first week in March. What did you just finish? Yeah, I just had a 60-mile week, over 9,500 feet of climbing in a week, which is amazing. So I've been looking, tracking my vert every week too, which I've never done before, but I've also never done a race where there's 18,000 feet of climbing. So just seeing, like, being curious, like, what am I getting every... And it was like, I was like 3,000, 3,500, then it was like 4,000, 4,000, 5,000, 5,000. Then one week I had like 7,000 and then we were quote unquote going to take it down a week, but I kept feeling really good that, you know, it was 6,000 and then today was topped it off at over 9,500 feet of climbing this week and 60 miles. I feel so good. Like I'm so energetic right now. I got up at 4.30 in the morning yesterday you know, got up, did my half an hour of strength, ran over 20 miles on the trails with like 4,000 feet of climbing. And then this morning got up again at 4.30 in the morning, even with a spring forward situation that happened and got back on the trails, did another 11 miles. Uh, not so much climbing. Like I think maybe we got a thousand feet in or something and came home. I was tired. Like I told you, I was like going to take an exit off the highway and like take a nap in a parking lot. The body definitely needed rest. And I came home and took about an hour nap, crashed hard. And I feel good. The body feels good. But none of that is planned. No, that's so, so important. That, which I think is really important. And we get questions about that a lot. We're when... not chasing 60 miles right no, now. No, we're not chasing numbers and we don't have a templated plan that says you're going to get this elevation and this mileage but this is the perfect scenario where we just felt into the week you had somewhat of a light week not as light as i guess you wanted it to be but what i perceived it oh to like be, a was couple lighter. weeks ago yeah yeah and then this week just sort of fell into place and we did a big run on tuesday like big vert uh and i wouldn't say it was a run it was more a hike slog but five hours out on the trails and then you're able to back that up this whole week so you just can't plan that stuff that's why presence and having that body awareness and attention to what's showing up in the moment not looking ahead to what you have to do in the future which doesn't exist i had heard uh or i had gotten invite invited earlier on in the week for a saturday run for 24 miles and i didn't say anything to you at the beginning like we did that big run on tuesday and i was like i know he's gonna like on monday he's not gonna tell me what my saturday workout is so i'm not even gonna have the conversation and then i think it was thursday and i was like so i've been invited to do this run like 24 miles and you were like all right you feel good and i was like yeah i feel good and it ended up being 20 miles because there was a loop that was like, we got up to this loop and it was all barbed wire, like, keep out, don't get on my property. So we ended up doing 20 miles yesterday. And the girls that I were with, was with, they were like, well, we're going back out tomorrow to cap it off with like another 10 miles, which ended up being a little bit longer today. And I came home and I was like, I feel really good. Like I felt good and strong and amazing that entire 20 miles can I go again? You were like, yeah, go. So I went back out again today. So I was happy with a 50 mile week, but I ended up getting a 60 mile week. And I really, it's, I've said this, I said it on one of the YTP minis we did. I've said it on this podcast, like I am putting load on a new body. And I think the strength that I've been doing with Dr. Dave since July has been, it's been critical. The consistency that I have I have done with him and you know why did I wait so long well I waited so long because of the reason why so many people wait so long I thought it was gonna to be too expensive I didn't think I was gonna be able to afford it and I don't even like I don't even I, I was actually getting our taxes together and I was looking at like all the charges and stuff and I was like wow like I don't even feel that like if you really 
need something. We've got to be able to trust that the money is going to come. And I looked, I was like, whoa, we were dropping some cake because then you started doing it and we were going every two weeks. And I was like, I'm not going to be in fear of money. I'm going to go. And it's changed my life. And of course, consistency over the years, right? Like, I mean, I started tri- triathlon in 2004 or something like that. So I've been at this for a long time and I was consistent coming off of my races last year, uh, even if it was just three weeks of 20-minute runs. So I'm just, it's it's kind of freaking me out. Like, why do I feel so good? But I'm just, I feel like this is like a pratahara thing, like where, uh, which is like a limb of yoga, where I don't want to expend that energy. I just want to keep building it. Like, I, I just feel this power center building. I'm just going to let it build. I'm just going to let it build. Right, because the mind wants to know why. Like, that's the first question. Like, why, why do I feel so good? Well, yeah, what is, the, what, is the, what is the depth of why? And you can get go down the rabbit hole of that. Yeah, because I'm a limitless being. I'm a limitless right. being, and I'm in touch with that. And I feel very, very blessed and fortunate. And I'm. it's not lost on me that I am extremely disciplined and committed. And I go to bed at night with my final thoughts of being how excited I'm going to be to get up at 4.30 in the morning and meditate and go run. So, yeah, I'm psyched. All right, well, we're going to dive into questions. Oh, I do want to say one thing. If you've listened to earlier episodes of this podcast, and back in the day you probably heard me saying like, you know, three one-hour sessions in the yoga studio every week, and I never waver on that. Well, you know, I've had to waver on that. Well, yeah, something's got to go. Your strength routine, So your I've been doing like 10, 15-minute yoga sessions, and they're amazing. And so I want to tell everyone that I've been putting content up on our YouTube channel. I got a new microphone, so the mic the, sounds good. I'm not a pro with it yet, and you'll understand what I'm saying, but it's not its not too distracting uh, if there's any kind of little microphone wiping or anything like that. But uh, yeah, so I've got two 15-minute flows up there, a 19-minute flow up there. I'm going to put a 10-minute flow up there that I've been practicing, and so that's for everybody. So go to our YouTube page and uh, check out some of these videos. They're awesome. Cool. Start with the first question. Let's All go. right. These questions are awesome, you guys. This Thanks, comes... guys. Yeah, for, yeah. for submitting them. Is... Ah, I love this community. Really awesome. Okay. <laughs> All right. This comes from Jennifer. She's, as a new triathlete to the sport, how do you get stronger on the bike? I've raced two 70.3 races so far and really find I'm struggling at the end of my ride. And then on the run, I just fall to pieces. Even though in training, I can run the distance just fine. So race pace effort. What is happening there? Yeah. And by the way, Jennifer, you're kicking butt. You've already done two 70.3s and you're new to the sport. Yeah. Now you're just going <laughs> to dial, dial it in. Continue to crush it. Yeah. So getting stronger on the bike, that's such a, it's such a, um, a big question because there's many ways you can get strong on the bike. And the fact that you can run the distance fine in training and then when it comes to race... That's a indicator to me that maybe you're not doing enough brick sessions or getting fit enough on the bike to run to your potential, which you've heard me say many times. You can't run to your potential. You can go run all you want during training, stand alone and hit your paces. But when you back that up with an, uh, a bike that's at race pace, what can you do? And that takes a very, a very confident person to understand that they can run their pace that they've been working on training if they're bike fit. So how do you get bike fit? If your time if time is a is a factor, back off a little bit on the run and focus more on the bike, right? There there's no substitute for biking more. If you bike more, you're going to get you're going to get more fit, you're going to get more comfortable on the bike, you're going to get stronger just by biking more. Now, if time is is an opportunity for you, right? It's not a restriction. It's an opportunity. You can get really specific with the workouts that you do. You know, a lot of a lot of triathletes, I believe, miss out on the big gear, low cadence stuff. So the big gear, meaning you you you're pushing the pedals like you're doing squats in the gym with heavy weight. So a cadence of fifty-five to sixty-five, I would say, is a is a good cadence. For how long would they do that? So you can start with just three by three minutes. So three by three minutes, meaning three minutes in that big gear and then three minutes, super easy spin recovery and then repeat and then repeat. And this is a workout I do almost 
every week, but I do it six by six minutes. So six minutes, big gear, low cadence, cruise back down the hill. So if you're doing it on the trainer, do the three by three. If you're, go, if you're going outside, obviously you're gonna cruise down faster than you went up. So just take that time as you go down to recover and any additional time that you need after that. But usually you can swing around, come down and, and back up. And the effort, the effort should be about a 70.3 effort. About a 70.3 effort. You should be breathing a little bit. And the one thing to caution riders on with that kind of a workout is to watch your knees. So if you can see your cadence, keep your cadence above 55. And even if you're starting these, so Jennifer, I would keep it to 60, 65 to start, just so you're not really taxing your knees. Because after this workout, you may feel something. We wanna make sure we're using the quads, for sure. Is that also, I would think that's a glute thing too. In glutes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. When they're, if they're on the trainer and they're doing the recovery, what's that cadence looking like? That cadence should be up towards 85, 90. Okay. Yeah, really light spin. And easy cannot be easy enough when you yeah. do these when you do these things. So she also, the basis of the question is strength, right? How do you get stronger? How do you get stronger on the bike? Yeah, another thing, especially in triathlon, is to do a long ride and then put intensity at the end of the ride. So you can go do a four hour ride, and I know that's four hours is more or rel- maybe it's around where your seventy point three time will be. But you do three hours, pretty steady, pretty comfortably. And then in that last hour, you do a progression build to race pace. And then you run off the bike. And what you do week after week is you start to expand that section of what race pace is. So you start to feel what it's like the longer and longer you you hit your race pace, what it feels like to run off the bike. And when you do that and you're running off the bike, what's that run pace? I know... We're not getting into run, but I guess with triathlon, we got to be talking about bricks. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things you can do there. There's a couple of things. You know, in the off season, I really like to have our athletes like 10 to 15 minutes strong off the bike, like really strong, but it's only 10 or 15 minutes. And what I like to do is have them do an out and back, right? Out eight minutes and back seven minutes, you know, so they're like pushing themselves. When you get closer to the season, like maybe in that base and build phase, you want to extend that run. Maybe for a half Ironman, I would say get off the bike and build to about a half hour, 45 minute run, I think would be really strong. And then as you get closer, again, as you get closer to the race, kick that pace up and then do intervals. Like there's always the option to do intervals. The key though off the bike is to, is to think about having quick feet and tiny steps. Get your leg turnover going. It doesn't have to be hard. A 70.3, which sounds like Jennifer's racing, it's going to be anywhere from an hour and a half to two and a half hours. So those first few steps, yeah, they're not going to feel the best because you just went pretty strong on the bike. So you want to get your feet under you. So really give it time, but think about getting that quick turnover versus lumbering, um, which is what the legs want to do because they've just been pushing the gears pretty hard. Yeah. All right, cool. Is that it? For, for strength, yeah, I think that's good for strength. Oh, what about wall sets? Oh yeah, yeah, that's what. Yeah, it's a really good exercise. If you're doing, if you're working on the trainer, riding the trainer, easy, easy set. Let's say you're riding for an hour, steady. Every ten minutes, jump off your bike and do two by one minute wall sets, and just Google what a wall sit is or YouTube what a wall sit is. But you gotta have your arms. I like to have the arms up, and you're leaning against the wall, and your quads should be you know, shaking pretty good. So after that 10 minutes, you do your two by one minute wall sits with about 30 seconds to a minute rest in between. And then you jump back on the bike and do it again. So every 10 minutes. So in an hour ride, you're doing that six times. However, I like to spice it up a little bit. And at the very end of your ride, you hop off the bike and you do a wall sit for max time. Max time. And what is the Team Yogi Triathlete record for max sit? I've seen five and a half, six minutes. That's pretty good. Yeah, by one of our pretty awesome athletes. I think it's pretty, I'm pretty sure that's what made me leave the sport. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Okay. <laughs> so thank you. you. You were a catalyst for uh, a sport I love now. Okay, is it better to ride seated or arrow for your workouts? This is Chad. Seated or arrow? I go back and forth. And are we talking um, about trainer or are we talking about yeah. road? So address both. Yeah, there's a lot here. Uh, I can talk to my personal experience where 
I was riding the trainer a lot and I would get out to, I would ride the trainer a lot and I would do arrow and I would do seated. And when I would go to these Ironman races, for some reason, there was that, those years there where I'd, when about an hour into the bike, I would get glute sensation and hamstring sensation and lower back sensation. And I could not even forcefully put down the pedals. Something was happening. And so after it sucked enough, I went to go see <laughs> Ivan uh, in Boulder for a bike fit. And what he showed me, because I think that was in 2016, right? During our Yeah, tour, we were on our trip, yeah. He noticed that when I was riding on the trainer that I was shifting, I was shifting my butt back on the seat. So when you even move forward or back on the saddle, you are slightly using different muscles in the legs. And so when I was doing that for long trainer rides, I was shifting back and making it more comfortable. When, when I race, I get on the edge of the seat. I get on the tip of the seat, the saddle, and I really like force those legs over. And as soon as he made that adjustment, the next ride, next two rides I did in Boulder were fine. Then we went to Utah and I rode with the Iron Cowboy for six hours, I want to say, because he was, he was training for Cozumel and I was able to do that ride just fine felt really good. So to answer his question, I, I think it really is important that you, whatever position you choose, you're riding the right, you're riding the right position at that time. So if you're going to be an arrow, make sure you're riding arrow as you will on race day. I like to ride seated a lot when I'm doing big gear work and like quick 30 second turnovers. When I get more into the steady, like 10 minute sets 20 minute sets 30 minute sets that are more race specific i get into the arrow position i like specificity and especially here in california i can't get into the arrow consistently for a prolonged period of time just because of the undulating hills yeah so be flexible with it is be that what flexible. you're saying like depending on your terrain yeah yeah and what about on the trainer yeah i i, I stick with riding arrow for the just specific intervals Okay. For race pace intervals. Otherwise, seated is, is good. And I, I would also add, like, if you tend to ride seated, is that because you're avoiding the arrow? Like, if it if it's uncomfortable, like, it could be a bike fit exactly. issue. Like, really. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important. Riding arrow takes time. Mm. And riding arrow at race pace takes time. So yes, it's easier and more convenient to, to start seated and see what it's like. Like get comfortable on your bike, ride seated, do the work, and slowly begin to ease into your aero position. So back to what I was just talking about with that 10-minute interval, maybe do four minutes seated, one minute in aero position, and then repeat. And so now you've got two minutes in aero position, and that's it. And then next time, just increase it slowly. It's really, it's really going to tax your core and your lower back. So it's important to strengthen your core. It's important to get that, not that dumping into your belly, you know, but feeling the ability for you, for you to hold yourself up with your core strength. So definitely core work is, is really important here. It takes time. It takes an adjustment period. So really be patient with it. You, you want to get to a point where you can ride arrow for your entire whatever race you're doing. You know, Arizona, you can ride arrow for five to seven, eight hours. And if you're riding arrow, you should be able to run off the bike riding arrow. So you really need to practice that. Yeah. Yeah. That does take time. All right. Here's one from Kevin. I've heard that sweet spot training is great for triathletes who are short on time and cycling takes up most of my training time available. If I switch to this type of training, will I be losing fitness if I want to go to a longer race like Ironman? So it doesn't sound like he's maybe done an Ironman. So maybe he's hanging at 70.3 yeah. and being like, Oh, this is what this is what I'm gonna read into, Kevin. You can let me know if I'm on point or not. But I'm thinking like you're in 70.3 and you're like, the bike is already taking up so much time and I wanna do an Ironman, but how is that ever gonna happen? And uh, so what is this? So maybe he's looking to this sweet spot training as a way to right, be more efficient, yeah. time efficient and efficient with the with the traditionally training. traditionally to do 
to train for an Ironman, it's great to get long, steady rides in in the Z2 zone, like really endurance rides, like build that strong base and then begin to build into tempo efforts, which are race pace uh, and extend those efforts out. And then you want to sprinkle in some of the VO2 max, you know, the really high intensity sprint like stuff, not too much of that. So if you're crunch for time, sweet spot training, you know, train a road is a program I use and it really opened my eyes to sweet spot training and sweet spot is 88 to 94% of your FTP. So you do an FTP calculation with a test early in the season. You find out how many Watts you can push for, you know, the test is 20 minutes, but it should give you about a range of what you can hold for an hour. And the sweet spot is 88 to 94% of that. Uh, it's right in between tempo and threshold. So it's, it's quality training and it's not four or five hour rides. It's, 45 minutes to 90 minute rides. And I've gotten a lot of bang for that, for my buck training with that stuff while incorporating one big long ride a week. So sweet spot, you know, keep knocking out two or three sweet spot rides a week and then hitting that long, slow endurance, not slow, I shouldn't say slow, the endurance ride where you're able to hold a pace for a really long time without taxing yourself too much. So if he's going to bump up to Ironman, can he still train for sweet spot? Absolutely. And will, Absolutely. He, be, will he be losing fitness no, by doing that? No, not losing fitness. But you want to keep that long ride. I, I think, the, I don't think. The long ride has become extremely important, uh, at least for me and our athletes, to, to gain that fitness and durability, but also the mindset that you can, you can continually go along at any time not just on race day. And a long ride, I'm talking anywhere from four to six hours for an Ironman, for an Ironman. So if he's t- he, the other thing I want to talk about is, or at least mention, is how much time do you have, right? We've got these athletes that they're all gung-ho and they're like, let's do this, let's go. Meditator Bob would call it an unrealistic desire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You want to train a lot, but you only have six hours a week. So can you do a long ride? That six hour ride would take up your whole week. So look at the time you do have. If you have six hours a week, no, you're not going to be able to do a long ride. You still have to run and you got to swim. So sweet spot training, you know, two or three 45 minute rides a week. Awesome. And you really want to spend that time on the bike because that's going to benefit. It's going to benefit your run a lot. So yeah, look at the time that you have available and really really hone in on that like don't try and train yourself to what you want to fit in but what you actually can fit in if you try to chase time you're in volume when you just don't have it it's going to add an an, another stress to your life and then you're not going to like the process and if you only have a certain amount of time a week and you want more time a week then i would look at how you're spending, spending your, your time because that's a big one. I'm a huge proponent of never doing anything out of obligation because when we do something out of obligation, it's typically with I have to do this. So it's like a victimhood, powerless position. And the thing is, is that whoever it is that's on the other side of that obligation, they deserve 100% of you. They deserve. They don't deserve for you to be there out of obligation. And so it's funny because we do things out of obligation because we, oh, I have to be there for, you know, so-and-so or whatever. But the thing is, is that so-and-so deserves so much more than somebody who's there out of obligation. And it doesn't make you a bad guy or a bad woman. It doesn't make us bad people because we've decided to stop doing things out of obligation. What it does is it allows us to do more of what brings us joy. And you guys, creating a better world starts with us. It starts from inside, right? When we are moving from more joy in our life, we will be putting more joy into the world. We will be expanding joy in our experience and in the experience of others. If we're doing things that we're begrudgingly you know, doing or we're doing it out of obligation or we're doing it because we don't think we have any choice, then we're putting more of those energies out in the world. And I just feel like we're packed with those energies. So be the change, you know? So look, and even like there's things that we could be doing that we've always done that we think still 
are joyful for us, but maybe they've lost their spark in the face of pursuing something like an Ironman. And it's okay to uh, allow things to fall away by focusing on what you love. If you focus on what you love and you focus on the goals that you've set for yourself, the, the extraneous things, they're going to fall away because they're not going to have the nutrition. And the, the other things that you love or the secondary things, like they're, those, the ones that matter in your life, they'll be there. Like, you know, family and your children, like they'll, they're going to be there. Like you're going to, you're going to take care of your kids. But what are some other things? Like I remember for me, one of my things was I used to love happy hour. Remember Beach? I'd be like, it starts at four. I'm going to get on the 315 bus. <laughs> like I got on like the public transit because I knew like happy hour for me was like, I'm getting my buzz on. Like I'm going three glasses of wine. And then if I go early enough, then I can be in bed at seven and then I can wake up and get my workout done. But that wasn't working for me anymore as I continued to do Ironmans and realized like the joy of doing an Ironman and the joy of getting up at four in the morning and pursuing my dreams. And so, you know, those girlfriends that I used to go out and do that with, like I really didn't see them anymore, but it doesn't mean that I didn't love them or it didn't mean that I didn't get joy from them. It just meant that that activity wasn't aligning with what I wanted to do. So always being curious about how we're spending our time and moving through the world. This process of training, when you take on the initiative to do a long race, and let's just use Ironman as the example, if it's something you truly want to do, as you're talking about, then you'll find a way. You'll find a way. I started, you know, I was thinking about the bike as these questions were rolling in. I thought about my career in this sport and how it got started in Boulder, in Boulder, Colorado, and I had the flexible schedule where I could ride anytime I wanted and as long as I wanted, and and I would get outside and 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 really logging like amazing training hours. And then we moved back east to an island that wasn't cycling friendly, and I had to adjust my schedule. But the desire and the commitment was still there. So I remember the four a.m. wake up calls to get an hour ride in then drive with you to go to yoga class, then drive back to the island to get to work for eight o'clock. Like, but I was committed to that. I, I didn't let the story of, oh, when I was in Boulder, I could train more. No, you'll find the time. Yeah, I had to get up at four. Yeah, I had to, hey, drink more coffee. Oh like, my God, you, we used to, used to bring the French press in the car with <laughs> us, remember? Yeah, and that was second <laughs> coffee because the first coffee got me on the bike. But it just, and now we're here in California and now because we're running our own business, you know, it's kind of a, it's a mixture of what we were doing in Boulder or what I was doing in Boulder and what I was doing in Newport and there's commitments and time frames. Yeah. And- like right now it's Sunday at like 630 at night and I'm still working on the podcast. It's going to be lunch tomorrow. I've got a few things to do. We got to get the preview clip out and you know, I got to, there's lots of things, but and it's a Sunday night and I've been up since 430 and it's, but I, when I look at that I'll use a Luke Tiberski, his why tree. Like when I look at that deep rooted source of my motivation, it's that Yogi Charathli is, is joy. Joy. So we make the time. And we, we, you and I have to be doing the work, the work that we're asking others to do. Oh yeah. So we always have to do it. Yeah. We, and, and I we love get it. get to do it. I love, I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. As I look over at my bike on the trainer. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> All right. Next question. That was a little bit of a tangent, but I think it was a, a good tangent. Yeah. Helpful good. tangent. Permission. Don't do anything out of obligation. <laughs> ah. Okay. I'm going to race my first Ironman ah, this year in Lake Placid. I, the ah was because I love Ironman Lake Placid so much. I'm not a good cyclist. Oh, boy. Oh, we can change that story. Yes. So I'm really focusing on riding more often. How long does your longest ride need to be? This is, from, I don't know if I said it before, Laura, this is from Laura. And I guess when we say what's your longest ride need to be, we're talking about, we're talking about Ironman Lake Placid. Yeah. So, so let's talk, talk specifically about Ironman Lake Placid. But first of all, let's address the, I'm not a good cyclist because right there is a story and belief that you don't want to take in with you. Yeah. It's just not going to be helpful. Yeah. It's not helpful at all. And what evidence do you have that you're not a good cyclist? A few random races or training sessions? Like... But all of that is just a judgment anyway, if it was good enough or not good enough. And think about all the future opportunities you have to have epic 
experiences on the bike and to be great on the bike. Yeah. And what if you change that story to like, I'm, you don't even have to be like, I'm a no, epic I'm, cyclist, but you can be like, I'm, I'm a getting, good cyclist. I'm a solid cyclist. I'm, I'm a cyclist. Or I'm getting better. That? I'm getting better. How about you just lose the bad and just, yeah. just go neutral <laughs> right. with it. Like I'm a cyclist. I'm getting better every day. Yeah. I'm getting better every day. Yeah. I'm getting better every day. Like mm-hmm. that's what you want to focus on. Not the lack. So and let's... somewhere in these 200 episodes is the story of my I love running shirt somewhere. Oh, right. Yeah. That's I share good... that a lot. That's a good so story. So maybe she needs an I love cycling shirt. Maybe you need an I love cycling shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Go back and listen to the 200 episodes. That story is in there somewhere. We'll I'm sure tell high it again. Peak cycler if anybody wants to hear that story, let us know. I'll tell it again. <laughs> well, on the running on the running episode, we'll tell it. All right. Okay. We'll, tell, we'll share it then. Yay. Okay. So she's racing Lake Placid. <laughs> So what should her longest ride be? Yeah. For Lake Placid, which is one of the most challenging bike courses on the circuit. Uh, I I love Lake Placid. So good. So good. So good. Uh, It's very hilly. So your longest ride doesn't need to be more than five hours. You know, four to five hours would be good. I don't know where you live if Lake Placid is an option for you. And I actually did this when we lived in Rhode Island. I went up drove six hours and spent a weekend there and just rode the course, swam in the lake and ran on River Road. Um, But the focus was to ride the hills of Lake Placid. So the thing with Lake Placid is that you can get any type of weather. So yes, you want your long ride to be strong. You want to get fit. You want to do hills, lots of hills, lots of hills, like get in a lot of the hill work. So big gear work would be... Big gear work. So if we're talking about... Trainer too, like big gear. Yeah, work. on the trainer. Wall yep. sits, Laura. So this race, you don't really need to be an arrow that much, to be honest. Too, it's it's you're sort of climbing a lot of the race or descending that big descent into Keene. Um, but the weather, let's go back to the weather. The weather can can be very challenging. So for this race, you can have all the fitness you want on the bike, but it can be ninety and humid, or it could be sixty and downpouring, thundering. Uh, which is what Jess experienced one year. And your nutrition is going to be different and your body's going to react differently. So it's important to do your due diligence with the bike, right? Because we can't control the weather. So get yourself into the best bike shape you can get yourself into and practice nutrition. Absolutely practice nutrition. Five-hour rides. And if you can get up to Lake Placid and actually get on the course, I suggest getting one, if not two, loops of the course in. Oh, yeah. For sure. We did that every... I think every year we lived there, we went up to Lake Placid. It was a vacation destination. Like Even if we were volunteering and we weren't racing, we would go up for a training weekend and we would ride the course because <laughs> it's just, it's so amazing. Okay, Tom. I like this. Tom's to the point here. Road bike versus tri bike. Watts versus heart rate versus RPE. I like it. All right, road bike versus tri bike. I did my first Ironman. On an $800 aluminum giant. Yes, with clip-on bars. Clip-ons. And I finished. You did. So I highly recommend if you're getting into the sport, if you think, if you really think you love the sport and you're going to be in it in a long time, get a tri-bike right away. But if you're dabbling in it and you kind of want to see if you like it or not, get the road bike, put the clip-ons on, and uh, and have an experience and see see what happens. You're going to uh, end up buying the tri-bike. You're going to end up buying a tri-bike. <laughs> Just get a tri bike. <laughs> most people have a tri bike and a road bike. I am not most people. Well, we we used we, we used, used to have to? mountain bikes, tri bikes, and road bikes. Right, one each. So we had three bikes each. Yeah, we had six bikes. Six bikes. That's the Boulder lifestyle, though. Now we've got one bike. So yeah, so I I, I think if you're committed to the sport, tri bike is the way to go. Absolutely, pretty simple. All right. Watts versus heart rate versus RPE. Yeah, oh boy. You, so use it, you use it all. I used it all. I've been in the sport 15 years now. But I feel like you use it even when you race, you're using different things. Yeah, so here's here's the... Um, so yeah, those three things are gauges that you can have for for training and racing. But it's important to have at least two of them. Because if one goes out, at least you have another gauge of how you're performing in a race. Um, I've done things where I've had all three of them and I've gone through races where the Watts have just not worked on the bike and 
I didn't wear a heart rate and I didn't have a watch with me. So really all I had was time. So I didn't have really any any gauge except for RPE. What was my perceived effort at that time? So it's important to really to really dial in what your perceived effort is when you're doing training. Like and let's go back to presence. Like let's just not numb out our, our minds when we get on the trainer or do a hard session, listen to music and watch something. Like what does it feel like? Like what is the feeling of pushing 200 watts or pushing 300 watts? What does it feel like? And how long can you hold that with the mindset that you, you have no other distraction except to focus the mind and feel this experience? And how quickly does the mind want to give up? That's a really key thing that at least in the past two or three years I've really embraced is getting into these workouts where, yeah, I want to hit watts, a certain watts. But I also want to feel what it's like, like feel that effort because the watts are just a number, right? So 200 watts is just 200 watts. 205 watts you would think is better, but is it better? I don't know. It depends on how you feel and how quickly you go and how you run off the bike. So I use all three. Watts are a great gauge because watts are watts. It's a number. It's a steady number that's not anything but pushing power. That's really all it is. And do you use that? You use that when you race, like you want to hold a certain amount of watts on the bike. And Most recently, that's what I've been using. It's a range. It's a gauge. It's Again, I'm not tied to the number. And what does that help you do? It helps me stay, helps me hold myself back. If I know that I can you know, hold 200 watts for you know, four, four hours strong and I'm able to run off the bike pretty, pretty well, then I want to... I, I almost want to take the first part of the race and ride 190 to 195, let's just say. So that's just an example. But watts are great. Just don't get tight. Just don't get caught up in chasing numbers again. And but I think RPE is across the board an important thing to have because how many? I mean, we have seen this so many times. I've experienced it at Ironman. You've experienced it at Ironman. Like you, you finish the race and you're like, I had no bike computer and I had no watch on the runner. I mean, on the, on the bike, like there's just things that happen and we've seen it with our athletes too. And so, you, so if you're not able to say, Oh, well that doesn't matter. Cause I have RPE, you know, like I, I'm going to know like what 200 feels like on this or whatever it is I'm, I'm trying to hold. And it's also having that as your backup helps you stay in flow too, because if you don't have that backup of, you know, you've just been relying on your watch and uploading it and not really taking the time to practice presence and feeling what you're experiencing when you're putting out these efforts. What is easy? What is hard? If you don't have that backup data, which comes from inside, you're going to probably lose it on race day. And then that's going to be a huge energy suck. And that was the one reason I was, I was shying away from using watts. You know, I didn't want to get caught up in that in the numbers because if you're supposed to hit 200 and you're only putting out 180, what's going to happen in the mind? Mm. Is the mind going to force its way to get up to 200 even though it doesn't feel like it's supposed to be? You know, it's supposed to be where it is. Like it's the feeling. So maybe one day 200 is going to feel like 180. And so you got to feel into that because the body is is super smart. It's going to let you know. So it's really important to, to understand that. Heart rate, just want to talk about heart rate because that's very variable. You know, it depends a lot on how hydrated you are, what your stress is like, what your sleep is like, where what you're using, a wrist a heart rate monitor or the chest strap. The the heart rate is a good is a good tool to use, but there's very there's a lot of variations with it, I've found. And you know, what we give to all our runners is to set them up for success is drink like 20 ounces of water before you go out for a run, check in with your sleep, maybe take some resting heart rates every morning, how accurate you are feeling versus what the numbers are, are, are reading. And then you're going to get drift with heart rate. You're going to get drift. So as you get deeper into a race, you're not going to be able to hold the same heart rate. It's going to go higher or it can go lower. It depends. It can go higher because you're dehydrated or it can go lower because you're just so fatigued and it's just going to drop. Um, I've had both experiences happen. So one is not better than the other, in my opinion. My recommendation is just to at least have two that you're using time to time so that you have a, something to play off of each other. I would say watts and RPE would 
would be and, the, that'd be yeah. my and then on the run would be well unless you have a run power meter which is those are cool. Like oh, the, yeah. The pods. The stride, yeah. Yeah. Would be like heart rate and RP. But make sure you're hydrated. Like check, And maybe in your journal, check, like even very, very simple, like quality of life scale, you know, like what's stress like today? It's a five or it's a seven or like I'm feeling like I'm not good enough or I'm feeling like I'm crushing it, you know, put those things in there because they're going to affect your heart. They're going to affect your systems. Your thoughts affect your systems. And that's that. That's the Oh, truth. one last thing. What? Yeah. Watts are based on individuals too. It depends on how you, how much you weigh, how tall you are. Mm. So at 200 watts from, so if Lionel Sanders is putting out, you know, 330 watts for four hours, I can probably do 300 watts for 60 seconds, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's all relative to to who you are, what power you can put out, and how much you weigh. So just so don't compare don't your watts. Compare to... yourself, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Final question from Richard. From your experience, if you had to choose one weekly key session to consistently perform every week, what would it be on the bike? I keep forgetting this is the bike episode. I know, just bike. Uh, long. You got to get the long ride in. So what about like six hour a week guy or a girl? Like is that long ride three hours? Closer. Yeah. But I think that's a really extreme example. I don't think anyone's going to go into an Ironman with... Yeah, they I mean, could. I've done an Ironman on 12 we- hours... Yeah. But six hours is ridiculous. Not if you want to have longevity in the sport. Well, in, in his case... Like you, you could get lucky. Yeah. <laughs> get a get good lucky. Iron Man. But eventually, Iron Man's going to show you its face, which is like, it will keep you honest. But I would vary the training. I would, you know, build up maybe an hour ride, two hour yeah. ride, three hour ride every week. And then maybe one week, because he's, you know, we got to make the time for it. You do a five hour ride to a, a run and then... The rest of the week, you've got to you've got to have like ten or fifteen minutes. You can just stretch the yeah. body and and kind of move it. All right. It. So taking that extreme. So that's example an extreme example out of the so the long ride. I think the long. No, I don't think. I keep saying I think, but I. I, I like this though. I see you like correcting yourself. Yeah. To more. I believe the firm long words. ride. For, get that long ride in, and I was told by a mentor to get a nice three to four hour ride in a week and a nice five to six hour ride in a week. And Are you doing only, that? And I'm doing it now. <laughs> I've been doing it for the past year and a half, two years. And it's it's really showing. But and yeah. what does the long ride look like? It's there's You can break it up any way you want. For me, in the off season, I like my long rides to just be collecting vert. So I'm not necessarily collecting 112 miles. I'm collecting maybe 60 or 70 miles. But a lot of hills, a lot of ups and downs, and it's not pushing it. It's just spiking up and down, up and down, up and down. That's where I build my strength. To and then the when truth. you start getting, like when you're getting closer to Tremblant, what is your long ride going to be looking like? It's going to look like an hour warm up and then four by 45 minutes at race pace with 15 minutes easy. That's Building nice. up to four by one hours, one hour at race pace. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's really, really what you, what you should do. Awesome. There was something else I wanted to say. What was it? Well, I was going to ask you, and this might be it too, but do you want to share the idea of someone possibly going into a bike camp? Yes. I'm so glad you said that. Bike camp. Yeah, you were reading my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bike camp, I did two, year, two years ago. Mm-hmm. wasn't this past winter, the winter before. I did, dove into a three-month bike camp where I rode eight to ten times a week, and I was putting in... I think my max hours was 15 hours a week. It's a lot of riding. I'm like surprised our marriage lasted that bike <laughs> camp in a 400 square foot studio. You guys, the trainer was going all the time. And it was Southern California. <laughs> so I could have done some rides outside, but to make good use of my time. So I was doing a lot of double rides. So ride in the morning, ride at night, ride in the morning, ride at night, get outside for a long ride. What will that give an athlete? What, what can an athlete walk away Oh, confidence. From? Yeah. Yeah. You could just bike for 15 hours a week and you would start to gain confidence that you're a good rider without adding any crazy intensity. Intensity is going to help. It's like it's the really 10, th- it's almost like the 10,000 hours thing. Almost right? like that, like, yeah. Yep. Put, put the time in. Put the time in. And in that short period of time, you know, three months, that's re- you can take your run down and your swim down. I like to, to do it at the end of the season. So October, November, December was really that big chunk. Mm-hmm of biking and i i've felt 
tremendous gains, tremendous fitness gains. And I, and how do I know that? I went out and rode with some other upper echelon athletes on some really challenging terrain. And I was you able to- You can say it, babe. You ride with pros. And I was able to hold <laughs> and stay with them, although they weren't racing, you know, their race pace. I was able to but stick with them. But they asked you back. They asked me back. Yeah. <laughs> they asked you back I didn't lot, get dropped. So you, you must be pretty legit. But you got to put the work in. So, you know, they're- there's challenging sessions. There's sessions where, you know, you have to earn the right to have a challenging session, one that you're going to go uh, attempt and you're going to fail. I can tell you right away, you're going to fail. But over time, you're going to get, you're going to achieve the end result. So you're going to get to a certain point, you know, whatever, 10 intervals, and you're going to fail. Like your legs just won't be able to do it. Next time, maybe it's 11, then maybe it's 15, and then maybe you'll dial back to 10. But you're going to continually progress. And as long as you're okay, right, keep that ego, you know, where it belongs and understand that this is a process. And you're re- reframing the brain and the way the mind works so that when you feel the sensation and you feel that urge to back off, you move forward and you continue on and you turn the pedal over just one more time and just one more time and one more time until you can't turn the pedals over. That's to failure. And more often than not, you're going to realize that what you think is your point of failure is really not. It's really uh, a false belief. And that you can relearn things in your mind that allow you to push beyond, way beyond what you think you're able to achieve. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, coach. That was great. We keep pulling out all this awesome information. I love talking about this stuff. That's inside. Maybe we have to do this every year. Cycling has been a big learning experience for me, even to the point of the bike that I purchased. You know, if you want to talk about the bike that I have right now, the Canyon, I'm in love with it. It's, It's a phenomenal bike. I have one bike. It's a tri bike. I climb a lot on this bike. It's an amazing bike to climb with. I bought it last year done one Ironman on it and I hope to do a bunch more. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. All right, you guys, we'll be back next week with the run portion of this preseason SmackDown. So stay on the lookout. We'll be putting a post out there. Uh, If you have questions about trail running, that could also be included or road running. If you're a marathoner, triathlete, guys, we are inclusive. You're an amazing community and we are incredibly grateful every time you show up for yourself and you listen into this podcast.